Uh, hello everyone and welcome back to KRU, UMKC's student radio station. I am your host, Brent Landreth, and welcome to Quick Save, the show about video games and uh, news coming out of the games industry. So, um, last week's show, if you're listening to this live here in 2018, but who knows, this might be an archive. Uh, last week's show did not end up going out because of the unfortunate weather uh, and the campus being delayed right until the start time of last week's show. So I'm like, well, it'd be kind of pointless to go because like the campus would just be opening up and everything. And I'd have to rush in there and not set everything up. And yes, all of these episodes are in fact pre-recorded. I pre-record these at home. Give me a little bit of uh, more control over some of the finer aspects of the audio. And... Also just lets me save a much higher quality audio version because QuickSave does go out on podcast services. That is correct. I, I'm i pretty sure I have mentioned this before. However, um, let's see. If you search QuickSave, all one word, on Anchor, it will be available there. Let me... Here we go. Okay, so uh, the podcast itself is available on Anchor, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, Stitcher, Apple Podcast, Castbox, Pocket Casts, and on Spotify. Um, and if you have a third-party podcasting app, uh, like I know uh, myself, I have um, uh, what is it called? It is called Podcast Addict, and that like taps into. Google Podcast feed and Apple Podcasts. It can kind of do a bunch of stuff. Let me see. It's all. Yeah, Castbox. I'm just kind of double checking to make sure it's all going good. Yeah, it looks like every episode has kind of been on there. Oh, I've got some plays on Castbox. Hello. Looks like it does take a lot longer for the episodes to appear on. Castbox. Okay, it's kind of strange. I don't know. I don't know how it determines that actually. Hmm. Yeah, it just kind of throws it everywhere. It is on iTunes uh, through Apple Podcasts as well. Yeah, seems to be that. Yeah, it uploads. Okay, cool. Yep, I was just checking. Yeah, so all, any of those podcast services, a third-party podcast app, will also work just fine so yeah that's kind of what's going on here um unfortunately that did happen uh due to the weather there's nothing really i can control about that however one thing that i can control is that this ladies and gentlemen is the penultimate episode of quick save that's right i didn't stutter or anything um this is the second to last episode uh, so it is right here in the middle of finals time. I, You know, a lot of classes do their finals this week. Uh, a lot of them do, and some do them next week. Next week is officially finals week, but I think I literally... I'm on campus one time, and that is to do this show and like turn in a final paper, and that is it. Yeah, a lot of classes in this week, some in next week. Anyway, yeah, so this is, in fact, my last semester here at UMKC. Uh, This is it. Yes. 
Uh, I sent an email to my graduation advisor to make sure everything is going to go smoothly. I mean, it should. And yeah, um, the, yeah, this, this is it. It's kind of weird to think about, honestly, uh, being at the end of my college career, I guess you would call it. But yeah, you know, I've been doing this show since I started KRU back in June, and I'm, you know, I've been happy to be here. Anyway, so uh, that's a little bit more formal stuff, a little bit of behind the scenes. Uh, next week's episode is going to be a special one, I think. I think next week we might be running over our normal one-hour time slot. Kind of do some stuff here and there. All right, so without further ado, let's just get back into what we are really here for. That's right, I have been playing some video games. Um, More specifically, I've actually kind of... Maybe not so much played video games, except for like, you know, I'm still playing that that Umineko visual novel. It's still incredible. It's so incredibly long and taking me forever to get through it because like, man, it's a lot of reading, but it is very engaging. Um, I've been doing a lot of more program-wise stuff. Um, so I used a program on my computer for a while called LaunchBox, and LaunchBox is basically an emulation front-end uh, you can, like, drop your games in there, and it will basically... You basically just install RetroArch, RetroArch and then it will do stuff. Um, I like LaunchBox's presentation and everything. I think it looks nice, but at the same time, it was a little too much. It was a little too complicated, you know. It was a little too uh, cluttered for, like, hey, I just want to get in here and play a damn Super Nintendo game or something like that, you know. And so... Uh, what I decided to do was, I'm like, alright, enough of LaunchBox, I don't need this thing, and like, the only games on there are stuff I can run either through RetroArch or my PS2 games, which I would, anyway, I would have to like, go in and reconfigure PCSX2 to run a PS2 game, because one configuration doesn't work for all of them, like I was running a game at like, solid, like, Four times internal rendering at 60 frames per second, super good. Then I switched over to another game, I was barely making 15 frames a second. PCSX2 is weird, and I wish that it wasn't as complicated to set everything up. It's kind of like you have to go look up like pre-made uh, graphical settings to make sure everything's good. It's, yeah, it's just bad. So I'm like, alright, ditching launch box, whatever. RetroArch. I'm actually going to open up RetroArch so I can look at it right now. RetroArch is such a beautiful program. So, because, like, I remember, you know, growing up and first getting introduced to emulation and stuff. Being like, man, like, uh, like, oh, what, I got to download ZSNES, which is a bad emulator, by the way. And, like, all this other stuff. And, like, have, like, different folders and everything. And it was kind of complicated. RetroArch is just a really nice front end for everything. It's kind of incredible. So, like, I have it open right now. It uses a cross-media bar like uh, the PlayStation Portable and PlayStation 3. And, like, you have, like, these categories with a bunch of stuff in there. And RetroArch's whole thing is that it has cores. And these cores, you basically download them and they the cores let you emulate games. And then, so, like, I have Game Boy Advance, GameCube, NES, Super NES, uh, what is this? 32X, Sega 32X games, 
Game Gear, Sega Genesis, PSP. I did not know there was a PSP core for it. That makes everything really easy. And uh, PlayStation 1. And what I like about it more than retro, uh, Launch Box is that it actually detects my PS1 games properly. I ended up, because I was moving a bunch of stuff over to my PS3 whenever I hacked that earlier this year. I've like literally been hacking consoles the entire year. It's kind of weird. But like whenever I did that, I, uh, I messed up the bin and Q files. Because people are like, oh, you can't have your PS1 games have too long of a name or else it's going to, like, screw everything up. And I'm like, okay. And, like, it, like, Launchbox wasn't detecting them properly. And, but here in RetroArch, like, yeah, like, it even marks them, like, disc 1 of 4, 2 of 4, 3 of 4, 4 of 4. It must, it has, must have, like, a way to detect stuff in it, I guess. Yeah, it's, it's great. I have all of my games here. Nice, nice. Yep, it looks great. Um, what's really nice about having this one kind of unified front end is that it's like, okay, I can press a button combination and go back to this front end menu, and that's where I do my save states, and I can actually exit and just go back to the menu. It is a very versatile and kind of beautiful program. And something that I'm kind of still wondering about is that it will allow network play. So I talked to the friend and I'm like, yeah, you can ho you can host a server. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I could download Fantasy Star Online for the Dreamcast and run my own server and have friends connect to it. That's a really cool idea. And it has like, has a you have like a button that you can press to do screenshots and it like will make automatically make folders of them and stuff. It's. It's really cool. I think RetroArch is such a beautiful program uh, that I have been messing with. Um, oh, hey! I think it's time for our first break. I kind of went through that a bit faster than I thought I was. You know, I think after this, I'm going to mess around with... mess around with RetroArch. I want to customize it more. I have a nice little background. It's a, it's a Xenogears background. I think it really fits with the aesthetic a lot. Anyways, so, uh, yeah, break, I guess. Yeah, we're going to do that. Um, so I have acquired um, a song from Super Smash Bros. Ultimate that launches this week. Uh, the remix of... All right, what is this called? I have, I'm going to make sure I get this right. Gangplank Galleon uh, from Donkey Kong Country. And what's cool about this is that it was rearranged by Ace, the composer that works with the Xenoblade games that I have talked about in length, probably. Uh, they did some songs for Torn of the Golden Country whenever I played that. So yeah, hey, this is Gangplank Galleon from Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. Don't tell anyone that I got this file, okay? I don't want Nintendo sending a DMCA to the school. Oh, uh, man, that'd be bad. All right, anyway, we'll be back.
Ah, oh, hello everyone, and welcome back to Quick Save here on KRU UMKC Student Radio Station. I am your host Brent Landreth. Uh, you just heard Gangplank Galleon, the remix from Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. Like I said, don't tell anyone that I have that. It would be bad because they've been copyright striking people a lot. Okay, so I was talking about um, I've been doing a lot of stuff. Uh, here we go. Sorry, I had to bring something up because uh, me mentioning copyright strikes, I uh, had to throw a news story in there real quick. All right, so I've been talking about doing hardware stuff. Uh, specifically, I talked about RetroArch, which, man, I just want to screw around with this. Again, I don't know, because, like, all of my box art for every game isn't displaying, and... It's kind of annoying. I have every Sega 32X game on here. Holy crap. What the hell? And like, man, my GameCube games aren't displaying correctly. Hey, anyway, um, I... <laughs> okay, um, I should, uh, uh, get on with this, really. Um, so, um, kind of talking a bit more about this, uh, something else hardware-wise is that I... A friend sent me a review a video review of this uh, PS2 game. It's based on the manga series Berserk. And he's like, yeah, this is a really good reviewer. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll go and check him out. I checked him out. I'm like, hey, yeah, this guy's a good reviewer. I really like his presentation style and his voice. Uh, but in it, he talked about, oh, yeah, so in order to play this, because emulation is kind of wonky, I hacked my PS2 and played a backup copy of it. And I'm like, wait a minute. That's right. I have a fat PS2 that has a hard drive bay on it. How hard is it to hack a PS2? And I looked it up and, oh, well, it's not hard at all. Actually, on the contrary, it is quite easy. Some would say it is a walk in the park. Huh. Like, okay. That's interesting. Um... So, uh, here's what you would have to do to hack your PS2, right? You need to have, like, a blank memory card. You need to have a hard drive, uh, like, that I have. Like, the, you need to have the hard drive space with the expansion bay. And I'm like, well, damn, I need a new blank memory card. I go on eBay. I'm like, I'll just order a memory card real quick. And people actually sell, um, uh, sell hacked PS2 memory cards that have... The homebrew on it and it is literally as simple as you put that memory card in your ps2 and your ps2 is hacked i'm like what that's insane let's take a look at the one that i have uh yeah let me look at the let me view the order details can i look at the game please has been updated by the seller what Oh, there it is. Jesus. Okay. Okay, yes. Yeah, so it's an official PS2 memory card that has, like, a little label on it. It has all the homebrew stuff in it. It has, um, you know, like, some stuff. It has, uh, he included a Sega, SNES, Game Boy, Game Boy Color emulators. Whatever. I'm probably not going to use the PS2 for that. I literally was talking about RetroArch on my PC. But PS2 emulation is something that is still very wonky because of the processor that Sony put in it called, uh, what is it? The, um, 
uh, the emotion engine. You can do more research on this if you would like. Okay, and so... Um... Yeah, and so, like, uh, it's it's that simple, and so um, I bought this memory card. It's 10 bucks. It literally costs as much as a new memory card. I'm like, yeah, uh, I'll just totally, like, use this. Sure, why not? Um, and so, yeah, I bought that, and that's coming in the mail. I also, uh, so the, the PS2 network adapter lets you hook up a hard drive to your PS2 if you have the fat PS2, which is, I've had it since the first grade. And the cool thing about it is that you can just throw a hard drive in there, and it uses something called IDE drives. It's like an old hard drive format uh, that that like you would uh, you would throw in like a computer and everything. And you can buy an IDE drive, but they kind of have problems when they get like you know you get up high in the space and everything, and there's just some issues with it. And I'm like, man. That sucks. Wait a minute, hold on. A Chinese company manufactures dummy uh, hard drive, uh, dummy uh, network adapters that don't have network capabilities. Like, they don't even have an Ethernet port on it. But they replace the IDE drive connection with a SATA drive connection. And SATA, for those who don't know, is basically the standard uh, hard drive format that is used in pretty much every computer right now. Like, I, I have SATA hard drives in my computer. And I'm like, man, I have this old laptop lying around, but I need to wipe the drive. I, let me rip the hard drive out, wipe it, and use it for PS2 games. And so I literally went through, I think I have over a hundred PS2 games installed on this drive. It is super simple to do. And I I kinda can't wait to get back to it, you know? It'd be really interesting. I'm just kind of patiently waiting, you know. This week is kind of packed. Uh tomorrow comes in Persona 3 Dancing Moonlight, Persona 5 Dancing Starlight. I'll have some impressions of those along with my PS2 hacking experiences, which that's almost done, and then uh, Smash Ultimate comes out this week. It is a very stacked week. Might be, might be skipping one of my finals, but don't tell anybody. Uh, so yeah, just it's really cool. And then like, um, like, and the the problem with IDE drives is that yeah, they're cheap, but also there's like compatibility issues with some drives, and so that's kind of disappointing. Um, here, how much is an IDE drive? Let's go ahead and look up this stuff. Uh, I can get a 250 gigabyte IDE drive for 20 bucks. Got what? I can get a three terabyte one for uh, 70. That's kind of ridiculous. But at the same time, though, like you don't need three terabytes because uh, I don't think the program can support more than. Uh, two, uh, 255 games. I think that's the whole thing. The the PS2 loader that you use to load up your PS2 ROMs and everything. So yeah, I'm basically just doing this to get better PS2 compatibility and also just kind of a safe measure to ensure that I have a way to still play PS2 games if my PS2 disk drive ever fails, which I think it has come close before. There was a period in like 2011-12 around there that... I had to open it up and tighten one of the screws on the disk drive 
to make it start reading like double dual layered discs again. So yeah, that's that was kind of unfortunate, but it it's worked fine since then for the last six years. So who knows? Uh, but this is just kind of a precautionary measure, and also like this does work with the PS2 Slim. But in, uh, you could just like buy one of these memory cards. They're ten bucks online. You need a blank one anyway. Might as well keep the memory cards you have for the games that you have. And uh, because with the PS2 Slim, you could totally like use a flash drive or an external hard drive. You would get longer loading times, but it would probably also kind of be worth it. You know, if you want to like back up PS2 games and stuff. I actually went through and dumped all of my PS2 discs into ISO files and then burn them onto the hard drive. Surprisingly simple, like there are like tools out there. There is like a tool that I was using called WinHip that like you write the image file to the thing to like format it to PS2 compatibility. You just like, it just like writes all your image files onto it. Uh, you just need a SATA to USB adapter or IDE if you want to use an IDE drive. But if you're using an external hard drive or flash drive, you literally just plug that into the USB port of your computer so yeah like not a lot of game playing going on I did play a bit of Digital Devil Saga 2 I kind of got back into that I stopped playing it at the beginning of May this year um, I'll probably talk more about that let me talk about it a little bit Digital Devil Saga is a really cool video game series on the PS2 made by Atlas there are two games it's a duology uh, about um, I guess it's about AI that comes to life and starts doing stuff because like the world's basically in like this apocalyptic state where the sun turns people into stone and it's really cool. Um, but I'm kind of running out of time here. We're going to have to take a break and come back and talk about news. Over the break, I have the song Hunting Betrayal from Digital Devil Saga 2 talking a bit about that. And then I also have, uh, let's see technologic 80s mix from the game Ollie King. Kind of a weird uh, arcade game that has a good soundtrack made by the guy that did Jet Set Radio. So hey, we'll see you then.
Hello everyone, uh, you are listening to KRU UMKC Student Radio Station. What you just heard was Technologic 80s Mix from Ollie King and Hunting Betrayal from Digital Devil Saga 2. This, of course, is Quick Save, the show about video games and news coming out of the gaming industry. Um, and so I have a bit of news to talk about. I would even say quite a bit, actually. Uh, quite a bit of stuff has happened. Um, Eiji Awanuma, uh, the director of, like, I think literally every Zelda game that has come out, uh, at least, like, the last few, uh, he had sparked a rumor of a possible Skyward Sword release for the Switch. Um, like, there was a concert in Japan at Osaka's Oryx Theater, and several attendees, you know, live-tweeted the events this weekend... Including an exchange between A.G. Aonuma and the concert's MC Yu Shimamura, who voiced Zelda in Legends of the Skyward Sword and Breath of the Wild. Shimamura said, It definitely makes you want to play Skyward Sword again, if only they released it on Switch earlier in the concert. Several songs later, the Legends of Zelda series producer and manager A.G. Aonuma made an appearance on stage for a talk session where Shimamura stayed, started by saying, I'd like to ask you secrets behind Breath of the Wild, to which Aonuma quipped, Are you sure you don't want to ask about a Switch version of Skyward Sword? This would be cool if they fix Skyward Sword. I absolutely hate that game's combat. It it like uses motion controls a lot, and it it's just not good. It's I don't think it's a very good game. It has a really long tutorial as well, and but other than that, like the dungeons are cool, and the, the story is really good. The art style's great. Just if you cut out all of the motion controls and completely rebalance the game, it would be way better. And I would maybe enjoy playing it. Now, not really much else to say. That's just a rumor. Like, oh, who knows? Maybe it's happening. You know, uh, I guess they just want to, you know, port all of their crap over to the Switch. Which, if we're being honest, I do think we should, like, break free uh, Twilight Princess and Wind Waker HD remakes from the Wii U and put them on the Switch. That's just me. Uh, so another kind of news story is that Square Enix trademarked Parasite Eve in Europe. So maybe something new is on the way. Uh, that was an RPG franchise that had um, a game in 1998 and a sequel in 1999, both on the PlayStation. Both of these games came in with the PlayStation Classic in Japan only. Uh, they're cool little games. They're kind of weird. But then it had a third entry, the third birthday for the PSP in 2010. Uh, that title is kind of mixed. Some people like it, some people don't. Uh, I talked with my little brother, he seems to like it a lot. Yeah, um, that is that. Uh, who knows what that will end up being. Uh, we have another news story here. I mentioned it a bit, is the PlayStation Classic. And the PlayStation Classic is probably a mess right now. Uh, it came out, impressions are live, and it is not positive. If you want to see gameplay from the thing, and maybe like how that thing is going to be emulating games, I would really recommend checking out uh, Giant Bomb's Quick Look. It is like two and a half hours long. They go through every single game. And just kind of watch that. And especially if you've played the PS1 as a kid. Especially that, because you know if you played some of those games... As a kid, maybe you'll actually start to notice something. And what you might notice is that, hey, some of these games kind of run slow. 
it's interesting watching them play it because like the, you know they're doing the ga- the games alphabetically and then once they get to Tekken Tekken 3 is when it becomes incredibly obvious where like they straight up say like this doesn't feel correct this feels incredibly wrong and then uh, after you kind of like kind of maybe checked out that a little bit I really highly recommend Digital Foundry's review D- the DF Retro Review for the PlayStation Classic because they break down everything that is wrong with it and compare the emulation of PlayStation 1 games uh, to other Sony like outings like the, on the PS3 and on the PSP and to original hardware. They don't compare uh, Ill, uh, no, uh, it's not a legal emulation obviously like all emulation is illegal uh, but they don't compare like PC emulation is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, but basically, I think I talked about it last week, um, like, a lot of, a lot of, uh, the games are the PAL version, so they run at 50 hertz, because of refresh rates, the Digital Founder video explains all of this, um, because the different refresh rates, so basically means that they run, like, 17% slower than the American and Japanese versions, uh, and it's kind of, it's really depressing, like, the games stutter really bad, they suffer frame rate drops, they feel slower, more sluggish, it is just a host of problems, and also the emulation quality isn't that good, it's not, like, that's kind of the big thing that people really notice, that like, yeah, this, yeah, these games don't look good, and the thing that is the most baffling thing to me about this whole thing, if you, when you watch the Digital Foundry video, Tekken 3 on the PlayStation Classic runs bad. And, like, they, they speculate that, okay, maybe the reason why they chose the PAL version was because they couldn't get the American version running at 60 frames per second. So, they're like, okay, we'll just throw, you know, the PAL version on this. So, it doesn't have to hit 60, but then it outputs a 60 hertz video feed that makes it look terrible. And there is some speculation that that's why they chose that. And they compare the emulation to PS3 and PSP. And I kid you not, the game runs better on the PSP emulator than it does on this new $100 box that Sony put out in the year 2018. The PSP, mind you, came out in 2006. How how, how many years ago was that? Let me me go and get a count here. 12 years ago. That is absolutely ridiculous. Like... And they they recommend getting a PS3 or PSP uh, or Vita because the Vita uses the same PSP uh, firmware to run emulation stuff. They're like, yeah, just pick these if you want to play PS1 games. Uh, and hey, every PS3, I'll let you know this, every single PS3 can play PS1 discs. It's not like limited to the first couple models. They all have that ability. You can make virtual memory cards in them. If you want a way to play your mo- your PS1 games, you got those discs, you know, or PS1 classics as well, quite literally get yourself a, like a cheap PS3 and like it works better than this piece of junk. Uh, Lazy Game Reviews is another YouTube channel that has a tutorial on how to make your own PlayStation Classic. I, I think he makes it for under $90. That one is basically a Raspberry Pi 
in a 3D printed PlayStation 1 case. That looks pretty good. It, it does. It looks pretty novel. I own a uh, Raspberry Pi. I have to buy like a heat sink for it though, probably. So it doesn't run hot. Anyway, hey, we're going to take another break. Uh, over the break, I'm going to be playing uh, Rivers in the Desert from Persona 5. You know, I beat Persona 5 last year and just I haven't, I, I've always had the soundtrack in my rotations. Hey, we'll see you then.
All right, hello everyone. Welcome back to KRU, UMKC's student radio station, KRU. Um, I am your host, Brent Landreth. So, hold on, wait a minute. What, what is going on here? Oh, mom, hold on, my computer froze. This isn't good. There we go. Okay, sorry about that. Alright, so uh, we got some more news coming out, and uh, Nintendo has canceled the YouTube Creators Program. This is big, because the YouTube Creators Program was basically like, hey, we'll either copyright strike all of your videos, or you sign up for our Creators Program, and you give us a huge chunk of the ad revenue that you make. Um, They've decided to completely stop that. Uh, Over here on VGR.com, got David Gill reporting. Basically, they've stopped that. You can now monetize Nintendo content as long as it is transformative. You can't just do, like, raw gameplay videos or, like, rips of music and stuff. Uh, And also, they mentioned, like, hey, you also can't post games that haven't been officially released yet. So, uh, kind of addresses the big Smash leaks that were happening last week. Uh, They have a huge FAQ about this. I would really recommend looking at it like FAQ like uh do the guidelines only cover video uploads or can I live stream my videos as well it's like yes the guidelines cover both uploads and live streams uh appropriate video and image sharing websites most commonly video and image sharing platforms such as but not limited to YouTube Twitch and Instagram however we have the right to remove any content we believe is unlawful infringing inappropriate or not within the guidelines what exactly are the monetization methods uh, separately specified by Nintendo as referred to in the guidelines? Currently, the monetization methods separately specified by Nintendo include the following. Facebook, Facebook Gamer Livestream, Facebook Level Up Program, Nico Nico Doga slash Nico Nico Live, Nico Nico Creators Program, Nico Nico Channel, OpenRec.TV, OpenRec Creators Program. I have no idea what that is. Twitch, Twitter, and YouTube. Um... Yeah, totally check it out. They have, like, a new page talking about it. Uh, That's really good. Like, for Nintendo-based content creators, that is something that I think is important. Because Nintendo has always been incredibly bad about that uh, over the last several years. It's honestly been kind of ridiculous. Uh, so, kind of speaking of a bit of Nintendo, um, I think I talked about Sony and Nintendo flip-flopping their stances on sexual content in games. Uh, a producer for Samurai Kakura 7 says that it may take some time due to recent worldwide worldwide regulations for the game to come out. Um, and Sony actually responded to people's concerns about, hey, like, these games are, like, being censored and they're taking like longer to come out because you're having devs having to go back through and do all this stuff and sony's response was oh you know we're trying to think of the kids when even though like on the box where you look at that box on the front or the virtual store page and you see that like oh rated m for mature like it's it's absolutely ridiculous like parents should do parenting better don't blame video game companies if your kids get exposed to this stuff. I've, I've already talked about this before, though. So we're going to kind of move on from that. Uh, some Japanese trademarks popped up. Um, a game called Humankind in Japan. Uh, the gear for a grown-up hero from Square Enix. Let's see, the same word is included in the title of the upcoming 
Panache Digital Games Developer Ancestors of the Humankind Odyssey. Okay, sure. Who knows? It might not be related to that. The Game Awards are going to be happening. Man, next week is going to be... I'm definitely going over time next week because freaking game awards and another big event is going to be happening along with me talking about smash and also me talking about the, my games that i've played this year uh and square enix trademarked another one which seems to be related to a mobile game uh who knows what that kind of turns up to it doesn't sound very promising it just sounds kind of plain let's see uh persona 3 dancing on moonlight and persona 5 dancing and starlight western dlc schedule has been announced um it is, let's see. Okay, yep, they do have uh, a season pass for $25. So you can get all of the extra music for both games, extra costumes and stuff. That seems okay, yeah. That's a little expensive, though. I think those games look kind of bare bones, but who knows? We'll... I'll have more impressions next week. Uh, so after the Game Awards, um, the Kind of Funny Game Showcase is going to feature over 60 titles uh, Saturday morning. Right? Saturday? Saturday morning. Uh, kind of Funny, a group of content creators that I really like, has uh, Greg Miller, formerly of IGN and Beyond, and a couple other people. Is going to be running this, and they said that they're kind of do. They want to do this in place of PSX, and so you know it's like uh, the Game Awards, kind of like for big, you know, trailers and announcements and stuff, and kind of have a kind of funny game showcase, be a little bit more low key. Uh, they have teased a Yakuza related announcement, which hey, I'm looking forward to. Uh, some pretty big news regarding the indie game The Messenger that came out earlier this year. And NIS America is going to have an announcement. Uh, maybe they're going to fire everyone that works on localizations of that company. I don't know. Uh, yeah, so that's that's going to be happening. Um, it will be interesting to see what that ends up being. That's... Man, what? That's so many games. I mean, okay, it's going to happen at noon on Saturday. Really? At noon? Ah, man, I guess... Yes, I am going to skip my Saturday final. Man, that's interesting. Okay. Uh, kind of coming up next, uh, I announced uh, a couple weeks ago, talked about Hajime Tabata has resigned from Square Enix. You know, after Final Fantasy XV was basically any further development was axed except for uh, Episode Arden. Uh, Hajime Tabata has established a new studio called JP Games. He is someone that I think has uh, a lot of talent. Uh, looks like they're going to be launching their company in January 2019. I think he is someone that has a lot of talent. Um, uh, he was the creator, or I guess the director, of the only good Final Fantasy VII spinoff called Crisis Core. There are some really good moments in that cool stuff and he also did type zero and stuff and um it'll be interesting hey you know what would suck if he started making mobile games like the what a uh, sakaguchi did the creator of final fantasy ended up doing and how i think terra battle 2 has already been 
canned. Like they made some cool console games and are like, ah, oh, yeah, let's do uh, let's do mobile games. And I guess I was successful for them, but I have no interest. Uh, a German retailer lists Assassin's Creed compilation for PS4, Xbox One, and Switch. Um. I mean, I guess that would be okay. Uh, I wish backwards compatibility was a thing, you know, that more develop that like more console manufacturers cared about. But it coming to the Switch, I guess, is pretty cool. Um, uh, there's no actual information, but it's like, what, like, what would that be? What would come on the Assassin's Creed compilation? You think Assassin's Creed One? There's like three Assassin's Creed Two games, and there's Assassin's Creed Three. Assassin's Creed 4, Liberation, uh, there's not a 5, there's Origins, who knows what that would end up being. I imagine that's just going to be last-gen titles. So probably 1, the 3 twos, and then 3, oh no, they're releasing Assassin's Creed 3 Remastered, so probably Assassin's Creed 1, and then one two, and then the 2, the 3 Assassin's Creed 2 games... What about the PSP game? Remember that one? Bloodlines? That game's okay. Uh, Sonic Unleashed, Aliens vs. Predator, and Kingdoms of Amalur Reckoning have been added to Xbox 360. Backwards compatibility for Xbox One? That's pretty cool. Uh, oh man, I am pushing up on time here. Let me just go ahead and say that Fallout 76, um, the collector's edition, was listed to come with... A, uh, a canvas bag. People got the collector's editions, and it was a nylon bag. Someone at Bethesda said, Hey, we're sorry that you weren't happy with the bag. The bag shown in the media was a prototype and was too expensive to make. We weren't planning on doing anything about it. This pissed people off, and they're like, Hey, we'll give you 500 in-game credits, which is equal to $5. That doesn't even buy you the costume that comes with a canvas bag. <laughs> and then influencers ended up getting a nice canvas bag for free. Which pissed even more people off, and then to really just kind of top it all off, the piece de resistance is that they're like, alright, we're gonna give you your money, we're gonna give you an actual canvas bag, go to this link and we'll, like, before January 2019, and we'll get it to you. Man, okay, I had to blitz through that because we are here at the end of this week's episode of KRU. I have been your host, Brent Landreth. I will see you guys next week for the finale, the big one. It's going to be over an hour long. Will I hit two hours? Who knows? Maybe. Hey, we'll see you then. Take a deep breath, deep breath, deep breath, deep breath. Let it go, let it out, let it go, let it out. Take a deep breath, deep breath, deep breath. Take a few of the breath and toss the sky. Take a deep breath, deep breath. Let it go, let it out. Take a deep breath, deep breath, deep breath. Take a few of the past and touch the sky. On a sunny morning, I touch the sky. Next morning, I touch your heart. What's the start? I play my role when I rip the mic apart. Do what I got to do to place a spark. I'ma pull it down. Seeking no crown anymore. From the moment I saw you, it's all gone. Hard to believe to a pimp like me. Used to have seven women every day with a week. Uh, quick time, I put that behind. Said I'm sorry, I got to go from the side. Lie to the man, I ain't high to the place. No human has ever given me try. So I got to go, go, I got to go. All I want is for you to stay. Man out of grave, resurrected. Now he's connected, no concession, just ended by you. Uh, yeah.
out there. It's a happy day. I gotta tell you one thing. Take a deep breath, deep breath, deep breath, deep breath. Let it go, let it out, let it go, let it out. Take a deep breath, deep breath, deep breath. Take a few deep breaths and touch the sky. I won't deny that I used to play Young days are done things that I can't even say Time to make up my day God, it's so hard to regulate Till the matter yesterday I was the dirt and you're the purifier I'm the gasoline while you're the fire Keep it on the DL, no inquire Which makes me wanna talk like Esquire I don't wanna partial, I want an entire Buy any juice, won't go to Sapphire Crack some jokes and turn satire We'll be careful not to get you ten tired Make it short, but I take you higher When we have a baby, we'll be in a chair. That's what makes me most inspired Hope same goes with you, baby girl Let me 